2: What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Uh, We are proud to be part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, which you can find on Twitter at PigskinPodNet, or you can search hashtag TPPN. My goodness, that was a struggle to get through that for some reason. It is Friday, April 29th. We've got rounds two and three of the NFL draft kicking off here in about 45 minutes. Uh, it is just Matt and myself. Uh, Dennis, unfortunately, couldn't make it today. He's got some stuff going on. Uh, we'll talk with him about that once he's able to get back. I, I don't want to speak for him right now. So we'll, we'll definitely get his thoughts whenever he's able to come back. For now, Matt, myself, we're just going to kind of recap everything that happened in round one. The uh, craziness of the NFL offseason carried over into the draft last night, which was – Honestly, it was fun. I was not expecting it at all after like the first 10 or 11 picks or something like that. It seemed really kind of boring and yeah. uh, really thought things were going to be just fine. And then all of a sudden we just got hit with a ton of insane trades. And that's really where we're going to start, Matt, because yeah. in my opinion, while some of the the, tr- the the draft picks were interesting, it was a lot of good stuff. It was the two big trades that went down that really kind of turned the night We'll save what those teams did with those picks. Let's talk about the obvious dynasty ramifications for A.J. Brown being traded from the Titans to the Eagles. We have talked all offseason. Me and you were both in on Jalen Hurts. Dennis was a little hesitant to kind of jump on that train. He definitely seemed to be coming around and be like, okay, like clearly they are going to at least give him one more year. We talked about they need to kind of go all in on Jalen to find out if he's the guy. Well, they did that. As I mentioned, bringing in AJ Brown to pair with Devonta Smith now and Dallas Goddard. What does this mean for AJ Brown and for Jalen Hurts in fantasy?
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw earlier in the offseason a lot of lip service paid by the giants to going all in uh, for Daniel Jones and giving him a chance. And we haven't really seen them do a ton uh, to back that up. The Eagles, have been committed to doing uh, doing some stuff. I think A.J. Brown was a top 10 dynasty wide receiver for me before the trade, I believe he was for you. He still is. Uh, Four-year, $100 million deal. They're definitely committed to him. I think he's going to be fine. I For me, it's going to take Devonta Smith back a little bit. Um, because I need to see that the, and it's probably going to take Goddard back a little bit for me, because we've seen Brown being, you know, he spent a lot of time in Tennessee where he wasn't getting incredibly high volume and he was pretty insanely efficient and is just good enough to make up for it. But unless the Eagles fundamentally shift to being a more high volume pass offense than it seemed like they've wanted to be, I don't know how they keep all three of those guys up at a high level. Probably the big, the big winner is Jalen hurts who gets a lot of weapons uh, and gets a big time chance to prove himself in this make or break year three. And the absolute loser has to be Jalen Rager.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've got to take the L on that one. I kind of feel like the Rager loss was coming though. We we've seen for yeah, whatever reason that just wasn't going to pan out. Uh, I don't think it's as bad a news for Devonta Smith. I think it's more Goddard. Um, Just because I think we've seen, especially at least the way the Titans like to use A.J. Brown at times, especially down the field. I feel like this is going to open things up a little bit for Smith, possibly, because I think Brown coming in is now the one. And we know that he can do that. We know he can beat some of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He's done it on a weekly basis with Tennessee, with also, let's be honest, a quarterback who struggles with accuracy at times. So I think he all uh, comes in and really kind of demands that. So I'm with you on there. I don't I don't think it really does much for AJ Brown. I, I think it helps Devonta Smith in the fact that he doesn't have to be the end all be all for that offense, which in a way he kind of was last year because we had hoped Jalen Rager was going to take a step up. Goddard was injured at times. I believe so was Ertz before he got traded. So the, I, in my opinion, there was no one really to help Smith. Now he has that in a dominant threat across from A.J. Brown. Now, does he – I still think he can get to close to a 1,000 yards maybe break that he had 900 last year in an offense like you just mentioned. Was it past heavy? I think them bringing in A.J. Brown, maybe they don't go pass heavy, but maybe they pass more than they did last year. It's definitely an interesting offense I'm with you. I mean, it's all in on Earth now. If, if he can't go have – A successful season this year, they're gonna move on. They still got two first round picks, I believe, next year. So if he can't do it, they'll find a way to move up and grab a quarterback that they want. So this is a make or break year now for Jalen Hurts for sure. There's no more guessing if they're gonna give him one more year. Half it's this is it. I'm with you on that 100%.
1: Yeah, and I'll be curious to see what it does with uh Miles Sanders because if they do become more. You know, Miles Sanders feels like a guy that we've constantly been waiting to see him break out. I would just like him to play more than 11 games, you know.
2: Yeah, I wonder if that's maybe just unfortunately what Miles Sanders is now, which is also, another, I mean, him and him and David Montgomery were my favorite two backs in that class. And I, th- I think I Montgomery, for the most part, has lived up to that the past couple years. But I, I Josh Jacobs has been better than Sanders. And, and that feels weird to say because Jacobs hasn't had like a – massive season he's just been good mm-hmm. but he's been you know availability is the best ability they say and, and jacobs even though he's been injured at times has played more than miles sanders the titans lose aj brown but they do get traylon burks what is your um thoughts on the impact for the offense
1: well you know a lot of people were comping traylon burks to aj brown and their playing style so that makes uh sense that ends up being a a good pick for where it fell. Um, the big thing for Burks is, you know, we have saw the reason A.J. Brown was so successful for fantasy owners was his efficiency. There isn't a high volume of pass offense. And also, you know, they went out and got Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. Do, does that help? Does that take pressure off? You know, you would definitely say last year there were times where the Titans really had no receivers available because Brown was hurt. Julio never really worked out. I think they have the makings of an okay pass offense. The immediate response when you see A.J. Brown go, as you should, is, um, you know, oh, my God, we're screwed. But I, do, I think the Titans, even without A.J. Brown, may be in a better spot right now with their passing assets than they were last year because we saw some of those other receivers get a chance to step up and work their way in. Um, but I, I like the Burks landing spot. He would be you no know, worse than fourth for me uh, among wide receivers right now, rookie wide receivers.
2: Yeah, uh, the reason I like it so much is what you just said. Everybody compares him to A.J. Brown. We saw what A.J. Brown could do in that offense, and what I think helps Tennessee as well is he's cheaper. Like they did not; It, d- it seems like they didn't want to pay A.J. Brown what he wanted, so they let him go, and then they were able to get a wide receiver cheaper than him that they're going to pr- at least be able to have on the rookie contract for the next four years. We'll see if he kind of does the same thing Brown just did and kind of try and find it. Well, not that maybe... I don't know that he forced the issue the way Debo did. He just deleted everything on his social media like everybody's doing nowadays. But if he even plays somewhat close to that, I think adding a guy like Robert Woods, as you just said, that helps. They didn't really have that guy, for the most part, opposite of A.J. Brown. Uh, You know, I don't know why I was going to call him Jerry Jones. It's not Jerry, it's Julio Jones. Julio really wasn't able to do much for Tennessee. So I, I think it's a great fit. Very excited for him. I am... I don't know that he'll get the volume that A.J. Brown did. Um, could be wrong there. I still think he's a little bit raw, and I think adding a guy like Robert Woods will, as you just mentioned, take some of the pressure off of Burks. But I do think they I, – I actually kind of liked all the landing spots for the all the wide receivers, to be honest with you. There's not one that I really hated. Um, and, yeah. I, you know, I see a lot of people – well, we'll save that for that. I was about to dive into, like, a deep Atlanta thing there, but we can save that for the pick. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like it. I like it. Burke should be good this year and continue to move forward. The one that was more surprising because I had not seen any rumors about this guy getting traded. And that was Marquise Hollywood Brown, who goes from the Ravens to the Cardinals. I haven't caught up with some of the stuff today. I know yesterday Lamar tweeted a WTF tweet as soon as it happened on Twitter. But then I did see a story earlier that I guess they have talked and, and he's actually technically known about Hollywood wanting to be traded for over a year, at least according to Hollywood Brown an interview he did this morning. So Lamar knew about it. Maybe he didn't want to see him go because they were, from everything I've seen and read, they were best friends and all that other stuff. But he's gone. He goes to the Cardinals. Matt, the Cardinals moved the first round to snag Hollywood. What is the fantasy impact for him, DeAndre Hopkins, Murray, and does this kill Rondale Moore's value?
1: I think it's real bad, probably, for Rondale Moore. And they they re-upped A.J. Green. He wasn't great last year. I can't imagine that changes. They had something of an opening. Christian Kirk didn't have a horrible season last year, and all those kind of targets come available. I think the best hope, if you're still in the hope for Rondale Moore, is that the Cardinals don't go get another running back, and he kind of ends up taking some of the shorter work that Chase Edmonds had last year because, you know, they have James Conner who's going to be kind of the pounding back. If they don't go get somebody else, maybe Rondale gets some of those. But, uh, you know, the – the What seemed like a great path for him to step up into relevant targets uh, feels like it's getting blocked. You don't bring in uh, Hollywood Brown to not start him. I think that gives them another kind of deep threat. We've talked about before that we thought Hollywood Brown was more of a number two than a number one. When you're opposite DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to be number two. That may help the Cardinals overall. Um, it'll give them somebody who can probably stretch the field a little bit more. Uh, which wouldn't be a bad thing. We saw defenses playing a little bit tight and kind of uh, the Cardinals really struggling down the stretch, maybe being a little too predictable. I think both Hopkins and Brown can be good Hopkins. We saw take a little bit of a step back last year from where he had been. They're probably both realistically wide receiver too. So the other thing to watch is Kyler Murray hasn't had any 4,000 yard seasons since he came in. He's not a super high volume passer. Um, it's not like, you know, I think the perception is probably sitting out there like, oh, you went from Baltimore to Arizona, you went to a much more high volume pass offense. Kyler's yardage that he's putting up isn't that different than what Lamar was putting up. So it's probably a similar offense. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the target share is because Ertz really emerged down the stretch too as somebody that was that kind of security blanket for Kyler Murray. They brought him back on a pretty friendly deal. Um, So there's going to be some targets, but I think Hollywood Brown will probably take a little bit of a step back from the career highs that he put up last year. He had 91 receptions over 1,000 yards. I don't know if he can get there in this offense.
2: Yeah, so that that's going to be the interesting part for me is what it hurt his targets look like. I was trying to pull up, so Hopkins, since being in Arizona, is averaging about 150. Makes sense. He's an absolute stud. The last season in Arizona, granted, obviously, Hopkins was hurt for a lot of it. Kirk got 103, and then he also got 103 in Murray's, or I'm sorry, 108 in in Kyler Murray's uh, first season with the Cardinals. If Hollywood Brown can get that, I think he can have a good season. Hollywood Brown's biggest thing has been he just can't stay healthy. He he's missed games every single year. I actually think this could be a smash fit for Arizona. I'm with you on Rondale really seems like that's probably going to hurt his value at least some, because I just don't see, they also have earth still there. who I think is going to demand a decent amount of targets. I think AJ green I, bringing in Hollywood for me, I think is a kind of like making sure you have a backup plan. If Hopkins is what he showed last year and not fading, but clearly not what he used to be. If AJ ground, a ground. My goodness. A.J. Brown doesn't really help the team anymore because he kind of seems like he's ending toward the end of his green. A.J. Well, green. My goodness. What is wrong with me today? Yes. A. I J. mean, J. there's
1: J. too many A.J.'s. There's too many Browns. It really uh, is. It's but, way too much. So my Marquise, So Hollywood in 2020, he saw yep. 100 targets, got 58 for 769 yep. and eight. That. Probably is closer to what you should expect than the, you know, he saw 146 targets last year. Yeah, that's for Baltimore. That's not happening.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But the one thing I will say is it's another move bringing college teammates back together. Hollywood's last season in Oklahoma, one of his better seasons that he had was when Kyler Murray was there as his quarterback. So those two already have the connection. They are friends. I think this is a great fit for Arizona. Um, He's definitely, I I think, going to be a much better, probably a much better best ball guy to have on your team than necessarily a set your lineup league because you're going to get those dud weeks. But for the most part, I think if he stays healthy, this is going to be a really good
1: move for
2: him. But that does put us on the Ravens side here where it definitely seems like it's, you know.
1: Lamar was right to say WTF.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, look, they've got Rashad Bateman. They've got Mark Andrews. J.K. Dobbins coming back healthy, hopefully. Um, we'll see if Edwards is able to get back for the beginning of the season. He obviously injured his ACL later in the year, but hopefully he's able to get back. I was talking to Ray Garvin today about this, and, and I kind of I not even kind of I a hundred percent agree with something that he said, and he thinks this offense is geared more toward what Kansas City does. And you hear that, and you may think, well, that makes no sense. Patrick Mahomes throws it all over the field. But does he? He throws it really to two players, his all-star tight end, Mark Andrews, and a really good wide receiver. Now, while Rashad Bateman does not have the speed that Tyreek Hill does, he's still a good wide receiver. They can replace Hollywood Brown. like, And I don't mean that as any disrespect toward Hollywood because he's good. But the way they used him in that offense was almost exclusively as a downfield threat. Like you just mentioned what he'll be likely for Arizona. Well, they've got Calvin Austin, Christian Watson, Wondell Robinson that they can easily grab as of today or even tomorrow because some of those guys may not go day two, the day that we're recording, and replace those guys, again, much cheaper than what they would have to pay had they kept Hollywood. They flipped a guy who they got in the first round who, let's just be honest, did not quite live up to a first-round billing. He's had good seasons, but I don't think we would say he was as good as a first-round pick has been. And they move him for a first round pick, secure their offensive line with that great pick, and now they're likely going to be able to get one of those guys again. Or they just put Devin Duvernay there, who I believe ran a four or three something at the at the combine when he ran. So he's got speed. As much as I hate to say it, this is a Browns fan, I feel like this was a masterclass of how you handle the draft and and roster management by the Ravens. I think it was a great move. I know Lamar is upset. Those guys are friends. You never want to see that go happen. But at the end of the day, it's a business. It's got to it's going to have to happen, especially if you want to pay Lamar Jackson, who is demanding that before he plays this season and the Ravens can't pay everybody. So they made their decision. Hey, we're going to move on from Hollywood. We'll still help you out with the offense. We're going to build around you and pay you. I think it was a great move. I'm really not worried about it from the Ravens side. You know, Andrews is going to be that dude. The biggest thing is going to be what will Bateman be in this offense. He showed flashes, but obviously due to the injury and everything last year, I'm I'm in on him. I'm not moving him up to like top 15 territory, though, where I've seen a lot of people talking about yesterday, but I do think he has a chance to be a wide receiver, too, for fantasy.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. So if Bateman steps up and delivers on the promise we thought he had, going into the draft last year, then this can end up working out. And I think from Lamar's standpoint, I get why he would be frustrated because they're always harping on him that he needs to be a better and more proficient passer. And all they've done this off season is subtract, you know, however you feel about Sammy Watkins. He was a guy that was there that was adding to the room. That's somewhere else. Hollywood, somebody that he's been developing more and more chemistry, gave him 146 targets. He had a career year last year. And you ship them out for a pick and then pick a center. That WTF, uh, if the timing is right, actually came after the second of their first round picks. Um, which is probably like, so for him, it's not that he doesn't want to center. It's just, what are we doing? You know, and we hope J.K. Dobbins can deliver on the, the there's a lot of potential on the roster. But we haven't actually seen it come together for anyone except for Mark Andrews. Bateman has a lot of potential. We liked the pick when he went there. Dobbins has a lot of potential. We liked the pick when he, when he went there, but he was in uh, a time split with was it Ingram Murray, somebody in his first year. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Ingram. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure that his first year where he didn't get all the touches, He started to come on late. You're like, well, we're finally going to see it in 2021. He has the unfortunate injury. Hopefully it all comes together. And I personally, I'm with you. I don't think the Ravens are done. There's still receivers that I like that I think have potential that are going to go here. But now the Ravens definitely join a group. There's still a solid group of teams that came into this draft needing receivers. And, you know, that didn't get anything last night that are all going to be kind of fighting. So where, where does it all land? You know, um, I tend to think, I don't know how you feel, but I don't think Debo Samuel's is going to end up moving now. Cause if they were going to move him, they would have taken a first round
2: pick out well, of. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think he was going to move to begin with, to be honest no, with you. But... And, and it's going to be a lot of, for me, not, I don't know much about, and like, I don't, I'm not in an NFL front office, so I don't know. But when I was listening to stuff leading up to the draft, even Wednesday, they were talking about a lot of the people in the know said there's no way Debo gets traded now because he has to pass a physical at this point. Bec- hmm. And, and there's no way he was gonna be able to get into whatever team, pass a physical, rework his contract because that's what he wants, he wants a contract extension. And then, then finish off a deal before the first round starts. So, I never thought Debo was going to go last night, um, just because I didn't think he would be, in my opinion, if I were Debo, I probably would have taken the chance that a guy like, um, can't remember for the life of me what his name was, he was a left tackle, I think he ended up in Seattle.
1: Oh, Charles um, Cross.
2: No, uh, no, tra- uh, he was traded a couple years ago, he was in Miami. Oh. Did not work out that well. Had the mask. That's what I remember. Oh, for. Laramie Tunsil. There we go. Laramie Tunsil. I couldn't for the life of me remember his name. Um, that's what I remember Seattle traded for him, right? But they they did it so quickly and they didn't get the contract done. He bet on himself. And then what happened? Seattle needed to keep him and he had all the leverage. They had to pay him as one of the highest left tackles in the league. And let's just be honest, he's not one of the Houston. best ones. Was it Houston, Thank Houston, you. whichever? Yeah, whichever. He yeah. took advantage of whoever got him. I can't remember who it was. So, yeah. Yeah. That was um, one of the
1: Bill O'Brien specials.
2: Yeah. There we go. That makes more sense now. So it, it's happened. And I, I don't think a team wanted to be held hostage like that. So that's why they didn't make the move. But yeah, I'm with you. I, all I would say to Lamar is uh, now you know what Aaron Rodgers has felt like for the past whatever years he has been in Green Bay. Because my goodness, they have just screwed that man when it comes to draft picks and receivers. And we're about to get to that because...
1: Maybe Tylen Wallace is a whole lot better than we realize.
2: Maybe. Maybe. So it was a huge first round for the wide receivers. We had six of them go. I'm going to read off the list really quick, and then uh, we'll kind of discuss them as we go. Actually, let's just discuss them as we go. No point in reading them off. So the first to go off the board was Drake London to the Falcons at 8. I loved it.
1: Yeah, so did that that was actually one of – I I nailed two picks exact in my last mock draft, only two. Uh, and they were both two of these receivers, uh, London at eight going to the Falcons and the, the next receiver we'll look at. London instantly is the best receiver available to the Falcons because yeah. remember Ridley's not available. I think he's going to have a good year. I think he could end up being a wide receiver too this year.
2: Yeah, I – Marcus Mariota does not scare me, I guess is the way I'll put it. Now, yeah. I think that's really the biggest thing most people had said about Drake London. It's like, Oh, well, he's got Marcus Mariota for like a year people. And then he's gone. And maybe only then, a few games. Yeah, maybe we'll see what they do today. we we'll we're recording on day two. Mm-hmm. Maybe they take, like I was talking about the snakes because a lot of people are fading the quarterbacks. They didn't go in the first round, but Sam Howell goes today at the top of the second round and beats out Marcus Mariota. You can't tell me that his stock's not rising just because he didn't go in the first round. So there's still some quarterbacks. A lot of all the quarterbacks really are on the board. We'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. But Drake, Not small Michael, hands. Yeah, not small hands. That was – anyways, uh, I, I think it's a great spot for London. He's going to be the guy. We've seen that over the years, although I know it's new coaching staff, new offense, but they love those big wide receivers. We actually saw Arthur Smith do this. With a guy like A.J. Brown, granted, Drake London is not quite the athlete that A.J. Brown is. I think he's going to be just fine in this offense. Him and Kyle Pitts are going to be force-fed. And what's the one thing that helps out a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, who may not have the best accuracy? A, long, a big wingspan type of wide receiver who can catch the ball anywhere you throw it. That is Drake London. Next up was Garrett Wilson. He goes off the board at 10 to the Jets. I don't love the spot. It's not horrible, mostly because I just don't think Zach Wilson's that great a quarterback. Now I have to root for Zach Wilson, but I do think the Wilson to Wilson connection can be a lot of fun. What were your thoughts about it?
1: Yeah, and I think Wilson's going to be, I like what they, this is another team that I think has spent the off season going all in on their young quarterback, trying to give them the tools to succeed. We saw Elijah Moore really start to come on at the end of last year. Give him Garrett Wilson. They grabbed a couple of different guys uh, at tight end that could potentially be in there. I think the one that gets hurt by this is probably Corey Davis. You know, that slim hope we had when he signed the big deal that he was going to be a number one somewhere. He's, you know, no better than number three. I have to tell you, the most terrified I was last night was when those ESPN guys spent all that time before the Jets grabbed Jermaine Johnson talking about Brees Hall and what a fit that would be. All my Michael Carter shares just died in my heart. And I'm very thankful right now but uh garrett wilson probably i mean he's still gonna be i think you and i both had him one uh among our receivers going in i probably would leave him there he and london were the top two for me i don't think the draft position changes that
2: yeah those two were separated by very little for me i'm with you like if I have to go strictly based off my film rankings, I'm still taking Garrett Wilson because he was my one. I don't necessarily affect landing spot that much. It's more draft capital. Like if for whatever reason, Garrett Wilson will fallen to the third, I would take Drake London because it's like, well, he's got the round one draft capital that didn't happen. Uh, and he only went two picks later. So it doesn't matter to me. I do think London has a chance to, Probably be better early, just because of the way I think that offense will be. But I think both are going to be amazing. Uh, my third was Traylon Burks in my film grades, but he was he was a clear couple points away from those top two. And again, we talked about him going to Tennessee. We'll get to that in a minute because he went much later than some of these other guys. Which next up was back to back Ohio State wide receivers, where Chris Olave came off the board to the Saints at pick eleven as he traded up. up. Yeah, yeah, to get Chris Olave, which was interesting. I, was, I thought
1: they were going quarterback for sure so, you know, when they made that move.
2: There's two wide receivers that Is went, the, and I believe the next one we're about to. Yeah, yeah, the next one we're about to talk about. Both teams traded up. The Saints, I believe, only moved up like four spots, so it wasn't as five. wasn't as big as the, la- the next one, which we'll get to, but I like the fit for Olave yeah. in New Orleans. Um, and I'm just, it's really for me, it's the same thing as Marcus Mariota, like. The likelihood is Jameis Winston's not going to be the guy long-term, although I do think he can support both him and Michael Thomas. He's completely Mm -hmm. opposite of what Michael Thomas does. Michael Thomas works in the middle of the field. He's a possession wide receiver. Olave can do everything, so I think he's a good two. Uh, That was kind of my biggest thing. I wanted him to go to an offense where he wouldn't have to be the one. He's not going to be, so I think it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, it doesn't really change. That's the When you talk about these first six that went off, it's I'm fine with everything, and it didn't really fundamentally change how I felt about them going into the draft, which is nice because some years you're sitting there and you're like, oh, shoot. But I thought it was a good spot. Jameis Winston, the last year he was in Tampa Bay, killed it with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin um, and using other receivers. I don't see why the Saints didn't have anything other than they have Kamara coming out of the backfield if he's available. You know, and Michael Thomas has struggled with injury, so this, this is a good pick. It was a little weird to me that they moved up. I don't know how you feel, but I was not convinced that they needed to go up five spots to ensure that they got that pick.
2: I didn't either, but I wonder if it was just because all of a sudden those guys are coming off the board and you just panic because we saw then Detroit pretty much did the same thing. They moved all the way up from 20, right? They needed no, no. to jump. They
1: 32. needed 32. I think they needed to jump the Eagles. Cause I a hundred percent, I don't know how you feel. I a hundred percent think the Eagles were going for Jamison Williams and they pulled the trigger on this other trade. When they knew that wasn't going to happen. Cause it was almost immediately after that. And it's like Detroit was like, I've got to get in front of Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. It's possible, and they did. They moved, again, from 32 all the way up to 12 to grab the third Ohio State wide receiver. And I'm saying Ohio State because he was developed Mm -hmm. at Ohio State, regardless of what anybody says. I understand he had his best year at Alabama. That's neither here nor there. Goes at 12, Jameson William to the Detroit Lions. What were your thoughts on the move for them?
1: Um, I like Williams. I I like the fit there. We've seen, you know, people like to bag on Jared Goff, but he's another guy. We've seen support a couple of decent fantasy relevant wide receivers. There were a lot of years with him, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, where they were both in the top 15, you know, one being in the top 10. So I don't think a lot of people wanted to panic about Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think this kills his value. Um, I think it makes me wonder what the volume is going to be for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, The other thing is where Williams tore his ACL in January, he may not be ready at the beginning of the season. What it probably hurts the most is the hope that you were going to get kind of a resurrection from DJ Chark. He just signed that one year kind of, I mean, 12 million sounds like a lot because I don't make anything close to that, but in football terms, that's not incredible. They probably have Chark so that he's available at the beginning of the season, but I think he's going to be the one that, Finds himself down in the rotation once Williams is ready to go.
2: Yeah, I think it just showed to all of us that Chark's future is probably not there. I I don't think this hurts a Monra at all. I saw a lot of that on Twitter. They do uh, completely different things. The one thing I will say is I, I was a little bit worried about Jameson Williams. He did came. Uh, he did come in ranked as my number four wide receiver. Him on with that speed on the Detroit Lions turf. My goodness, that is going to be fun to watch he yeah that, that's that's the
1: great. only place i was considering i had him fourth behind burks but i might flip them
2: yeah he's it's gonna be a lot of fun and, and what you just mentioned about jared golf i think is is very true like we all kind of really crap on jared golf because he didn't know where like the sun set and where the sun rose and he's not necessarily been good at i mean time, he plays but, in a
1: dome so he never yeah, sees the sun
2: whenever that's a good point good point i didn't even think about that when when he has weapons around him, though, he's been a good quarterback. Again, maybe he wasn't the main reason, but he still helped lead a team to a Super Bowl. He's shown that he can be a good quarterback. Like, I actually don't know that this may be the end of the Jared Goff era either moving forward. If he's able to have a good year, they're clearly adding a lot of weapons. I- I'm very intrigued to see what this offense does next year. I think it's a great fit for Jamison Williams. Next up was Jahan Dotson, who goes to the Washington Commanders at pick 16. This was the one I didn't love as much as the rest, but what were your thoughts? The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all all new customers a free shot at a million of dollars in total prizes in their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL 21 and up, restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Kentucky and Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP or 7, 1-877-770-7867. 877-8HOPE, New York or text hope ny 467389 in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or 1 800 532 3500 in Virginia. 21 and up, 18 and up in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, and Los Angeles, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, and Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia. West Virginia, Wyoming, only minimum $5 deposit required eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash for details.
1: Yeah. I mean, Washington's been trying to figure out a, a second consistent target outside of Terry McLaren for a couple of years. You know, Logan Thomas had a good season was injured a lot last year. They tried to sign Curtis Samuel. That didn't work out. I think that, pretty well crushes uh, any hopes that he was going to mature into something. I don't think it's a terrible pick. I'm curious to see what their offense is like. You know, we haven't typically seen Ron Rivera, Scott Turner offenses be incredibly high volume pass offenses. You also have two running backs in McKissick and Antonio Gibson, who are more of receivers working in that short area. But um I don't hate it. Dotson would still be a clear number six for me of the six receivers taken.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, he was my lowest rated guy coming in. That's not going to change now. I think Kim and Terry McLaurin do so many similar things. Not worried about Carson Wentz, because same thing I said about Marcus Mariota, probably not going to be the future there. So I'm not worried they can eventually get a better quarterback. But it's just the offensive scheme fit. As you just mentioned, they don't pass the ball a ton. Him and McLaurin just seem to be the same kind of wide receiver for me. I wonder if maybe this speaks more toward they're not going to try and sign McLaurin and maybe this is their replacement. I know there's been talks that they want to bring him back. I don't know, but this was the one that I just, I don't really see him bringing an immediate impact and I don't know what his long-term aspect is either. Again, I wasn't as high on him as many were coming into the process anyways, uh, but it was just an intriguing fit. I mean, you've got to give him at least some props because he was a top-20 pick first-rounder, so he, he's going to have some sustain, sustained value moving forward. Traylon Burks, as we know, which was we talked about a little bit in the trade, goes to the Titans at pick 18. We've already kind of talked a lot about that, what our thoughts are there for the... Um, my goodness, my mind just went blank. Um, when we think about him kind of being like a, a, another version of AJ Brown. So with all that being said, did any, did your ranking shift any at all after what happened today?
1: Yeah. So my, my top five, uh, going in was Wilson, London, Burks, Williams, Olave. Um, you know, Olave is still five for me. I didn't dislike the landing spot, but I, I don't think it. That massively improved. And we talked about the two at the top. I think the only place I, I might flip is Williams and Burks. Um, you know, I don't think it's a bad landing spot for Burks. I still like his talent, but that – I have some questions. I just saw, you know, they're getting ready for round two. They just flashed up there that they think Tennessee at pick 35 might be one of the most likely spots to be the first to take a quarterback today. Okay. So what is, you know, what is the future? What are they looking at? Tennessee has been a place the last few years where you have to be very efficient um, to be able to get it done. And Detroit, even last year, they cut the ball loose. They didn't always have a ton of people, but they they like to sling the rock. We've seen Jared Goff successfully sling the rock. And you're right. I like Williams and the fit there. I like what Detroit is building. Um, I like the culture they're trying to build with Dan Campbell. We kind of made jokes when he was hired. But yeah, I bet I was impressed last year. I've been impressed so far.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. We talked a lot about it throughout the year the, they call him the dude. Uh, he's been, he spent. It was one of my favorite coaches actually last year. I, I've been really a been a fan. So yeah, nothing changes for me right now because I want to see what happens today. I know a lot of people like to play fantasy football a little bit like it's the stock market at time when it comes to players and values. I don't necessarily do that. Uh Dotson was actually at my 8th ranked wide receiver in the class. I had David Bell um and George Pickens ahead of him. He's probably going to at least he probably will jump both of them depending on what happens today cuz I do think both those guys go. Uh because he got the first round draft capital, but he came in fa- ranked fairly behind all those other guys. I mean, as I mentioned, Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks for me were were two guys that I graded in the 80s. Burks was a 78. And then Jamison Williams and Chris Olave were 75s. And that takes another dip down to the 72 range for me. So there was a big drop in a lot of those wide receivers for me. So I I would – Williams and Burks would be an interesting discussion, but I think at the end of the day I would take Burks just because I I do think – I see the fit in the offense and, and I like his upside. Mr. Small Hands himself was the only quarterback taken in the first round, which was surprising to me. I thought for sure low end at least two would go, and it did not happen. I don't know necessarily that it speaks to this class is extremely bad, which is kind of now the narrative. I just think it speaks to something we've all kind of been saying, and I think we talked ourselves into more quarterbacks going, but, that a lot of these guys are just projects. They're, none of them are are complete ready-to-go guys. Pickett was the closest for a lot of people, and I honestly think that's why the Steelers took him. They take him at 20, and I think a lot of that is the Steelers are a ready-to-win team now. They're a Super Bowl contender. Kenny Pickett can come right in, run that offense. We've talked a lot about it on the show. I'll be the first to say it. My biggest concerns with Kenny Pickett have been I think it was more Jordan Addison in that receiving core that made Kenny Pickett look good than Kenny Pickett making them look good. Well, he's got Pat Fryer, Mooth, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, Najee Harris. I don't think it's a bad landing spot. I actually think it's a really good landing spot for Kenny Pickett. I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens here, but what are what are your, kind of your thoughts on him? Is he a QB one and super flex uh, for you?
1: Yeah, and I, I think the... Immediate thing was to jump to him being QB1 and Superflex because he's only first round, and because it isn't a bad landing spot, he likely will settle out there. I always thought there was a decent chance he was the first quarterback off the board. We talked about it before, even though he wasn't the top-rated quarterback for me going into the draft. I will probably end up adjusting you know quarterbacks rankings are probably going to be the thing that adjusts the most post-draft if we're talking about the positions Um, but I wouldn't still necessarily say he's a lock for QB1 right now it's going to be interesting to see too he could end up playing this year it's not a bad landing spot but they I am somebody who thought Mitch Trubisky got a bum deal in Chicago and wanted to see him get another chance he seems like a character kind of guy somebody that uh, Mike Tomlin would like. I think what surprised me the most is they ended up going with the local guy Pickett and not going with Willis. Because it seemed like for a while that Tomlin, you know, had spoken highly of Mike Willis that they were leaning that way. I am also a little surprised Pittsburgh went quarterback in the first. I thought they would wait and see who dropped to them where they are in the second round, which is now what a lot of these other teams are doing.
2: Yeah, I think. So there's something I heard on NFL radio this morning that makes sense. And because there was someone that brought that up, they had a caller come in and said the same thing. It's like, you know, well, I don't understand why they're not going to give Mitch a chance. You know, he's never really been in a good offense. And they said, very not exact wording, but pretty much the sentiment was nothing against Mitch here, but the NFL showed you last year that they did not regard Mitch Trubisky as a starting quarterback. Cause no one gave him a shot last year. He ended up going to Buffalo to back up Josh Allen. Makes sense. I was kind of with you. We talked a lot about that. I thought maybe he could go there and show something. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even win the job now because they took Kenny Pickett at 20 and they don't want him to sit. I think the only reason – I don't think that was smoke. I did hear some people saying this morning that they thought that was just like Mike Tomlin's masterclass class in fooling everybody. I bet he actually did like Malik Willis and want Malik Willis. I don't think they expected no quarterbacks to go. And when it got to that point, they were like, okay, like I said, Pittsburgh's ready to win now in a very tough division right now with the way all th- of those other three teams have been building and now the quarterbacks that quarterback all three of those teams. They wanted to get someone who, again, the biggest thing I think for Pickett that I could say over Mitch Trubisky is I believe Kenny Pickett can manage an offense and that's all he has to do with those weapons. Distribute the ball to his, very two, good, his two very good wide receivers, his good tight end, and his extremely good pass-catching running back. He's got enough mobility that if the offensive line, which is still bad, is not able to protect him that long, he can buy time and get rid of the ball. We saw again, you just mentioned, he played in pit. So he played in bad weather all year, did not really affect, he did have a lot of fumbles, but it didn't affect him really in a throwing aspect. So, yeah, I'm probably more like my sized hands, like they're not (laughs) big guys, they're not big.
1: Well, that is the only reason I was mildly surprised where Pittsburgh went because I thought they would spend a first-round pick. I I actually thought they were going to get Tyler Linderbaum because that offensive line has not been the same since Pouncey retired and getting kind of a rock in the center and trying to build a line and then taking in the second round. So I – you know, hopefully Pittsburgh makes some moves in the day two and day three of the draft, because I haven't seen them do a lot in free agency either, which is why I thought that was for sure what they were going to try to hammer in the draft.
2: Yeah, right. I'm right there with you. Um, It's going to be very intriguing to see what happens with him and Mitch Trubisky. How many do you think go today?
1: So, you know, we have round two and three today. If you're only saying round two, I'm not convinced four go but if you're saying round two and three i think at least four go i'm not sure now based on how we're seeing that you get a carson strong up there but i think ritter willis corral and Howell will go at some point today in either round two or three yeah
2: i i feel good that at least all of them but cars strong. Cars strong that worries me. Carson's I think it might go to me. the
1: fourth or fifth. It just yeah. feels like quarter the way quarterbacks tracking four, you know, unless there's a run, I think a team that misses and doesn't see one of those four fall to them is more likely to wait and take a shot in the fourth round than to spend day two capital.
2: Yeah. All right. So running backs, not a big surprise. We did not see any go in round one. That really seems to be kind of the moving forward narrative here. How many do you expect to go today?
1: So when I did my two round mock draft, I only had two running backs go in the first two rounds. Um, You know, I think, for sure, I feel like Hall and Walker will go in round two. Um, I don't know that we end up with more than that. And I think it speaks to their varying questions and values. Once you, Those two guys seem to be pretty well locked in the top. But even when it comes to Spiller, there's a wide range of opinions. Some people still love them, still are all in. Some people have them like seventh or eighth in the class. I think we'll see three or four go in round three, so I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with five to seven going today.
2: Yeah, I, I would put at least four, I think, for sure going to go, and and possibly more. I think it's really going to depend on how quick those top three go because it feels like for most that those are the three that have kind of separated themselves from the rest of this class and Hall, Walker, and Spiller. So if I those mean, even last year
1: – Yeah, even last year with two first-round running backs, we didn't see a ton of running backs go in the first three rounds. Michael Carter was top of the fourth round, I think. Yeah, Yeah, Javante, Trey Sermon went in the third round. I feel like somebody else went in the third round. I think only five went in the first three rounds.
2: It was just those two because that's what bumped Sermon up so high was everybody's like, oh, going to Kyle Shanahan, third-round pick. So, yeah, Yeah. I think at least – I know those – I really think those three will go, and then it really just kind of comes down to do we see what happened yesterday with the wide receivers where some – I don't want to say panic, but it was all of a sudden, okay, we got to move up to grab our guy because they may not fall anymore. Do we see – maybe not them trading up and teams deciding, you know what, these cornerbacks are kind of close. We can take a shot on waiting on him. Let's just grab this running back because three guys already came off the board. Before we get out of here, because we are doing a live stream tonight. Obviously, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll probably be over, but you guys can go check out the YouTube show. It'll be live on there as we, we go live on YouTube, on Camps to Canton's YouTube channel all the time. Um, who is your big winners for round one? It was a mostly defensive-heavy, defensive-line, defensive-linebacker's uh, cornerbacks and then offensive line heavy draft outside of a couple the six wide receivers and the one quarterback who was your big winners of the draft today or yes so i'm gonna say
1: jets um you know i thought they got a great corner um i like the wilson pick and then coming back up to get jermaine johnson who had slid down gives him another pass rusher i thought that was good and i'm gonna actually say the giants uh who played for need, you know, they got Evan Neal to kind of build into that offensive line, which is one nod that you could say they are trying to look out for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and everyone else they've invested in. Uh, And they got a good defensive piece with that first pick. Uh, You know, we've not always seen the Giants make the most of their first round picks. um, And I felt like they had a solid draft. So both New York teams surprisingly going against the grain and doing a decent job.
2: Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway for me. They killed it. I mean again and we say killed it and all these players could end up being bad. I don't see that happening, but if you just go based on what these guys were projected to do coming into the draft for the Jets to get um Sauce Gardner who in my was my cornerback one. I was I was a little surprised to see Stingley go ahead of him. Then you get Garrett Wilson who is my wide receiver one, and then a trade up and get Jermaine Johnson who for most was a top 12 player overall in the draft because he was falling. Absolutely killed it. And then if you're a Cowboys fan, by the way, and, and I'm, I'm I'm speaking straight to you, Matt, the Eagles get much better yesterday. The Giants yeah. get much better yesterday. I mean, the in my opinion, the Giants killed it. Kayvon Thibodeau, for me, I know a lot of people loved Aiden Hutchinson. No disrespect to him, I do think he's a very good player. Kayvon Thibodeau was the best edge rusher, in my opinion, in this draft. They got him. And then a lot of, I guarantee you, people did not want them to go Evan Neal. And they did. You short both sides of your line in this draft. Absolutely killed it so far at the beginning of this draft. I'm very excited to see if they continue doing that the rest of the
1: draft, though. And on the flip side, if you were, since you mentioned the Cowboys, I don't oh, know. Oh, I, that know. One. I, I you know. Not what? only did the other teams in their division make improvements, it was like, so right.
2: I don't know what time that was, so you'll have to find a way to time that up, but Ray Garvin, uh, I was watching some of his live stream while doing some stuff yesterday when the Cowboys made that pick. He's a massive Cowboys fan. He died a little bit inside. Like, you just saw it happen. He's like, who the hell did we just pick? He's like, I gotta go YouTube scout this guy now because I have no idea he wanted him to go Linderbaum. And it was it was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. So.
1: And listening to Mel Kiper try to talk about it nicely without like slamming it, but talking, but then constantly showing footage of him holding and so, missing blocks and stuff. I was like,
0: brought, brought that
2: part up because so they have a guy on there. Uh, he goes by McNutted on on Twitter and everything. He they he's part of the. I'm I'm trying not to cuss here. This is, they they call them the, the shit show. They have a Patreon. Check it out. He's an Eagles fan, so he was obviously all hot on high all night long, right? Because they get A.J. Brown. They're having a great draft, and that's what he brought up. He's like, okay, well, let's go look this guy up really quick, and he looked him up the most holding penalties in college for the past two seasons, and then that's what he brings up because Ray's like, so what did he do? I mean, he's big, great size. He's like, yeah, he also had the most holding penalties in college the past two years. And it's like, well, at least that's what the offensive line's known for, for Dallas, right? So they're just staying on trend. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. We will be back for sure on Monday. Um, we don't know if Dennis will be with us, um, so again, we'll we'll wait till he gets back to kind of talk to you guys about what's going on with him. I don't I don't want to speak for him. Just uh, some well wishes to to go to our good friend Dennis. Um, hopefully, you guys are able to enjoy rounds two, three, and then four through six on Saturday. We will talk to you guys again on Monday as we recap the entire NFL draft. Guys, enjoy the weekend. We will see you guys again soon.
0: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on red. Do you got your pop on red? I came like out the whole line's already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for the team. it up above his head, they can't jump with me. Godly, only tackles at the forty-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can.